Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest is a single stack GM, and he won single stack at the Carolina Classic. He's also a match director in Area 6 at the Sir Walter Gun Club, where next year's Carolina Classic will be held. Join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Jarrett Heinrich. Hi, Dave. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did. How about you? Uh, I, I definitely did. Uh, I probably ate my own weight and, uh, you know, now I'm, you know, trying desperately to work it off. <laughs> Well, having had insider information, how was the traffic up in the D.C. area? Uh, actually, uh, not bad. Uh, drive up there um, Wednesday evening was uh, pretty much a piece of cake. Uh, it was the drive home on Sunday that got a little interesting. But believe it or not, it was south of Fredericksburg uh, where we got oh, okay. where we got locked up. So, you know, go figure. <laughs> was it between Fredericksburg and Richmond or south? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just okay. north of Richmond, yeah. Yeah. That whole area is just terrible. I I don't enjoy the drive most of the time, but uh, you know, I mean all things considered it was it was no big deal. All right, if you would take just a moment and introduce yourself. Sure. Uh my name is Jarrett Heinrich. I am 43 years old. Uh I've been dedicated uh to USPSA competition since September of 2013 where I uh, DQ'd my second stage into my first match. But um, that's all it took was two stages. I was absolutely in after that. Um, My primary division uh, up to this snapshot in time has been single stack. Uh, My secondary division uh, for the last couple of years has been limited. And I also like to dabble in production and carry optics. I am on the board of directors at uh, Sir Walter Gun Club in Creedmoor, North Carolina, where I am heavily involved in the USPSA program there. Uh, But a point of clarification, um, I am not technically the match director. Uh, That would be Robert Walker. Um, You know, I kind of fall, you know, in the chain of command, as it were. I'm I'm like third in line or something like that. Um, But... uh, I'm an avid stage designer. Uh, I regularly contribute stages to the Sir Walter Gun Club Level 1 monthly match, the Carolina Classic, uh, and the Area 6 Championship. Um, I'm also a certified CRO, and um, I try to work the Carolina Classic each year in some capacity. So uh, in a nutshell, that's me. (laughs) Well, and... I started to laugh earlier, not, not, not at you, but when you said you were 43, I've had a couple of people give their age and then go, and I like long walks on the beach and stuff like that. So (laughs) that's where I thought you were going with it. So I immediately just started laughing. (laughs) Pina coladas and all that. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. (laughs) So as you know, Jarrett, I like to um, ambush all the guests right up front with the hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the audience, we the, we tried this before, and we ran into technical issues. Uh, and a representative from EVMUX actually got on with us, and, and we worked everything out. But we ended up staying on that call for like an hour and a half just chatting. That's right. So, so I know you're aware of the questions. 
So yep. I know you have an unfair advantage. Um, so we're going to jump right into it. Favorite movie. Well, I got to tell you, Dave, uh, and I told you this in our previous conversation, I knew this question was coming and this one stressed me out. Um, I love movies and um, I find it incredibly difficult uh, to pick just one, but I had the weekend to kind of mull it over and I finally did come up with an answer. Uh, it is Aliens. Um, and I'll give a little backstory there. Uh, when I was younger, um, I wanted to be Michael Bain, you know, the um, Hicks character in that movie. Uh, and also, mm -hmm. uh, you know, was the lead character in Terminator. Um, both of which were, you know, fabulous James Cameron films of that time. Um, but um, after thinking about it for a while, you know, that was a movie that kind of defined me when I was growing up. Um, you know, I loved that kind of action, sci-fi, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of horror. Um, and uh, anyway, that guy uh, for a time was just my hero. And uh, fast forward to now, if I ever catch that movie on, uh, I can't help but stop and watch it. Um, wow. Even though I can probably recite the whole thing. So <laughs> there you go. And, yeah, that's a classic. Okay. <laughs> I, I won't give anything away, but I recorded another guest recently, hasn't come out yet, that also mentioned, we talk about those movies as well. Mm -hmm. Very interesting that that's, when it, that's your favorite. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to be the, you know, action hero or whatever. <laughs> okay. So you, you, you like action movies in general? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say I, I probably gravitate, uh, more towards, uh, sci-fi adventures. Um, okay. but, um, action, you know, adventure, that's, that's my bag for sure. Mission impossible. Love. Uh, the third one is my favorite. Uh, okay. With the rabbit's foot and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, that, that was a good one. So have you seen the first half of the last movie? No, I have not. Uh, so oh, my goodness. Okay. It is, it is nope. <laughs> it's intense. It's very good. Uh, yep. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I'll, we'll leave it there. All right. So... About half the people I interview don't read books. If you read books, which your which is your favorite? Uh, no, I I fall into that half category. It's been a long time for me. Um, uh, the books that I read now are, um, you know, Ben Steger's, you know, Practical Shooting or um, Get to Work from Steve Anderson. But um, uh, back when I was reading, probably like early two thousands, I was. Uh, really heavy into the uh, Tom Clancy series, like mm -hmm. the Red October Patriot games. I really like that political espionage. Um, and um, also the uh, down, uh, Dan Brown novels, uh, like the Da Vinci Code, uh, Angels and Demons. Uh, I don't have a particular favorite, but if I had to pick just one, it would be the Hunt for Red October. I read that book as well. Very good book. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And it, it that's a fast read, too, because it's not just a bunch of background information. I mean, it is very fast paced. It's a good book. Yep. I enjoyed it. And um, fortunately, I read the book first and before I saw the movie. Um, but uh, I enjoyed the movie as well. So 
You can't yeah. go wrong with the actors they had. So oh, Sean Connery for sure. And you know, everybody yeah. Alec Baldwin is the you know greatest actor alive or whatever, right? <laughs> and Scott, what's his name, was the uh the Navy captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of his last name. Scott Glenn. Got Scott Glenn, yep. Loved him yeah. in Silverado and Silence of the Yeah. Land. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot of great stuff. Yep. That was a great movie. All right. Uh, you, you're into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're into superheroes. If you are, who's your favorite superhero? If not, who's your favorite historical figure? Um, can I go a little cheese here? Uh, I want to say Robbie. Absolutely. Layton. Robbie. Okay. Layton, he, superhero and historical figure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And still uh, manages to wipe the floor with me at nationals. So <laughs> even though it, well, he doesn't have knees. <laughs> well, I made a comment. Um, so by the time this comes out, uh, the second episode of Michael Poggi will be out. Mm-hmm. And he and I had a conversation about Rob Latham because I was like, He's a generational shooter. And he brought up a good point. He goes, that's kind of an insult. He wasn't, he wasn't being mean to me, but he's like, that's kind of an insult because the guy's been, he won his first nationals. uh, Rob told him in 82. Hmm. So Hmm. he's been shooting for 41 years, 40 years after winning a national championship, he won another national championship. So he's right. Michael was right in that, you know, it's a lifetime achievement type of a thing with him. He's not just a generational, but he's a lifetime achievement shooter. I I wholeheartedly agree. And, uh, you know, when I watch him shoot, uh, I'm just amazed at how flat the gun is. You know, he is not a particularly fast guy, but uh, there's no wasted anything. Um, And uh, you can pretty much guarantee that every shot he fires is an alpha you know, or, or he's going to make it up. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like, that's a good choice. <laughs> All right. Favorite gun and favorite caliber of all time. They don't have to be married together. Oh no, that's, well, that's super easy for me. Uh, it's a 1911 and my favorite caliber is 45, uh, which is why I still shoot it, even though, you know, no one else is shooting it. <laughs> I just really enjoy it. Uh, the platform, you know, uh, just makes so much sense to me when I, you know, pick up my 1911s. It, it just feels like home. And uh, I really enjoy all of the jokes and memes about the 45 that all my friends constantly send me, you know, um, you know, like, you know, because short and fat isn't always bad, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is the 45 uh, caliber, uh, or 45 ACP, like it, it's super forgiving in the reloading process. It's so easy to reload. Um, and I can use, you know, all kinds of different powders and, um, you know, just it's super easy to get the results that I want. And it doesn't wear my arm out on my press either. Um, I hate loading 40. Uh, I really hate it. Uh, and nine millimeter is kind of a close second to that. Like, but 45, for whatever reason, you know, my process for that is just smooth and simple, uh, no fuss, no muss. So that's it. I, I dig it. Okay. And I'm, I'm pulling up the, uh, so yeah, you were, you were 10th at, um, 
nationals in single stack. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all the names in front of you, they're all, they're all very good shooters. So, yeah. Uh, you know, and I've, uh, you know, kind of bounced up and down that list before. Um, I really, I felt like I could have placed much better at that match, uh, realistically somewhere uh, in the middle, like sixth place or so. But uh, I mean, I'm sure you heard from everybody by now. I mean, that, that was a really hard match. Uh, And there were several targets where I shot three rounds and called all three shots. But when we went down there to score them, there was only one hole in the target. Um, So So you had a triple. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there were a couple that I did question. Uh, okay. Because I just I felt so strongly that you know my uh, you know shot call was good, and I was just so surprised. But um, you know by the time day three came around, you know if they walked down and called Alpha Mike, I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I, give, I give up. <laughs> Wow. You're, you're like Pavlog's dog at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never been a particularly fast shooter. Um, I'm definitely uh, an accurate shooter. And so, um, uh, you know, even uh, when I was really trying my best to execute fundamentals on, you know, a stage like um, stage 18, the, the infamous stage or whatever, uh, I was kind of surprised with some of the results downrange. So, but uh you know, what can I say? Uh, I I got what I earned and I respect all those guys above. Uh, I was actually on squad with um, Henning Walgren, uh, who okay. plays fifth or so. Uh, uh, sixth. Sixth. Well, uh, we were, you know, talking stage plans and, um, you know, uh, doing what we do. And I mean, he just kind of laid back and shot awesome awesome points the whole time and i remember you know thinking afterwards i'm like you know this guy you know just totally owned me by staying back watching you know uh capitalizing on my mistakes you know um and uh i was really excited to see him place that well uh because he's awesome he's a great dude i also uh leif was on my squad too um i know Mm. you uh uh, just had him on and uh uh anyway great group of guys we all struggled through that together and uh <laughs> it was a group struggle <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was really something um but uh, he, michael Poggi and i talked about the same thing and again like you he didn't go into depth but he's like yeah wow <laughs> so, yeah I listened to to his, uh, you know, first part or whatever. And I think there was some talk in there about, you know, this would be a really great match if, you know, all the targets were brought in, you know, closer or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I think there's some truth to that. Um, You know, I think the stages in general were uh, very much uh, go to the places and shoot the things. You know, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to uh, shoot on the move or blend positions or whatever. It was just a lot of, go here and shoot with precision um and uh certainly bringing the targets in closer i think you know would have changed that dynamic a little bit uh, but anyway we had a good time um 10th place is my best finish uh at nationals uh to date um you know not for not looking at the percentage or whatever if we're just talking about placement you know my uh, previous best finish i think was 12th 
Um, so I'm happy with it, uh, but I, I can't help but feel a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, disillusioned, you know, or something like I came away from that match feeling like um, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people had some hurt feelings, so I don't, yeah. I don't think you're the only one. Yeah. Um, I came home and was like, man, we really need to rethink this. <laughs> so let's, I kind of took us off track there, but um, so what are you shooting? What is your 1911? Uh, it is a Dan Wesson PM 45. Um, a little uh, backstory on that. Uh, for many years, Dan Wesson had the PM 745, which was just your, you know, standard government, you know, 1911 build, no real frills. Uh, then they had the PM nine, which is a nine millimeter uh, 1911 with um, a lot of really great features. And I got a uh, PM9, loved it so much. I bought a second and then a third. Uh, and I reached, I reached out to Dan Wesson at that time. This would be um, like 2016, 2017. And I said, hey, um, I would really love a 45 built exactly uh, the same as the PM9. Uh, so they uh, actually built a semi-custom order for me for that, where they put uh, all the same um, uh, serrations, the extended controls. Uh, there's a Clark rib on top of the slide. Um, so they built that. Uh, it was perfect. Absolutely loved it. And um, the next calendar year, that PM45 showed up as a regular SKU in their catalog. Um, wow. Look what you did. You started well, something. I don't know. Well, I can't, you know, say that I, you know, I was, you know, the, the reason behind that, but, uh, it is nice to think that, you know, I was sort of a catalyst for that. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, fast forward to now that, you know, skew has changed quite a bit. A lot of the features that I really love about the PM nine and the PM 45, they've actually taken off. Um, I think as cost saving measures like post COVID, you know, um, mm. still, uh, still totally great gun, highly recommend, uh, if you're getting a single stack 1911, like Dan Wesson is, in my opinion, is where it's at. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'm not, a, and I'm not affiliated with them in any way, shape or form, no sponsorship, no, no <laughs> nothing. Uh, but if anybody from Dan Wesson is listening, uh, I would be happy to, you know, you know, shoot with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So two questions and two follow-up questions. Sure. One, the PM9 is all chrome, but uh, the stainless PM45, steel. okay. Mm -hmm. So it's stainless steel. That's what you got. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the PM45 comes in blue, black, and stainless. Yeah. The one so you got... Yeah, the one that I have, you know, the model year, you know, 17, 18, 19, and 20, um, you know, they were all stainless only, um, Okay. you know, and matching. Um, I've got it right here in my hand, as a matter of fact. Are we allowed to show guns on here? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be disappointed if you didn't, if you had it and didn't. That, yeah. She's a pretty gun. Yeah, here's just, just one of them. All right, um, now do me a favor. I have, love the grips, by the way. I have several of these. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, let's you know give a shout out to uh, Nathan Carter at Shooting Sports Innovations. Uh, these grips 
are uh, the bite grips from SSI. And nice. All right. They, they are just wonderful. Yeah. Nice. Now. Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah. <laughs> How about yours? Oh, I got yeah. no jiggle. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no, yeah. of any kind in this one. It is uh, tight as can be. And, um, and I have two more that are identical to this in 45, and I have three in nine. So. Okay. So my next question is give, for me in the audience, tell us what the difference in re felt recoil is between the PM9 and the PM45. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, come on. Nine millimeter minor versus, you know, 45 <laughs> major. Um, uh, but the reality is um, the way I have them set up, uh, they're not that different. Um, okay. You know, the uh, nine millimeter, I tend to run mine, you know, around 135 power factor. Um, you know, I, I don't like to uh, go any lower than that because I want it to drive the gun um, and return to target. Um, I also uh, use a heavier recoil spring uh, than most people. I use a 10 pound in my nine millimeters, uh, whereas I think, you know, the factory ships it with a nine and a lot of guys who are running it in competition go lighter than that, like eight, um, wow. you know, because um, I want it to return, you know, nice and quick. Uh, but uh, the reality is the nine millimeters of a BB gun, you know, in comparison to the, the 45. Um, the 45 is, you know, more like a, uh, a softball. Um, whereas like say a 40, um, a 40 is really violent in my opinion. Um, for a long time, I actually didn't shoot any 40. Uh, I just shot nine and 45. It wasn't until probably three or four years ago, uh, that I got a 40 limited gun and uh, decided to bite that bullet and since then i've been breaking rear sights you know all over the place on my 40 guns but that never happens in my 45s um you know the 45 it's it it kicks a bit but it's it's sluggish and it's totally manageable and when sprung and loaded correctly it returns great and i just really i really enjoy it um and it doesn't come with um some of the headaches that can come with 40 guns um, you know, 40 in a 1911 platform can be a little tricky to get running reliably. Um, and there's, uh, not very many magazine options available in 40 and, um, but you know, in a 45, let's face it, like everything that you could possibly think of is available on the aftermarket. <laughs> yes. Abs. It's like Glock parts. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So now what if you're if you're running a 135 power factor on the nine, what do you run in power factor on the 45? Uh, I think my last chrono came in around 176. Um, OK, my, not too bad. Yeah, my target is 172, um, but I tend to use uh, fast powders, shotgun powders. So um, uh, my major match load currently is uh, Vitavori N310, which is um, uh, a pretty fast powder. I also like Hodgdon clays when I can find it, you know, good old clays. Um, you know, when you have that kind of case volume, um, with a fast burning powder, um, what you get is kind of a, a softer felt recoil. Um, 
in my opinion mm. anyway. Uh, well, yeah. I've, I've never loaded 45. So why shotgun powder? Um, well, it's just an option, you know, again, different powders have different burn rates. Um, right. and slower powders, you know, are going to build up more pressure. And then when that pressure ultimately releases, I mean, it's going to be snappy, right? Um, and obviously your bullet weight, you know, is a factor. Uh, there's all kinds of factors, but um, faster burning powders um, are going to, in theory, release the bullet sooner. Um, okay. And uh, you can, you know, get a spike of pressure with that case volume, um, you know, at... Uh, a much lower number, I, I guess. Um, I I'm, don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but um, the other side effect of fast burning powders is they tend to be much cleaner. Um, you know, there's there's, okay. there's no unburnt powder, you know, left behind or whatever. And when I'm done with the match, um, I can take the slide off and just wipe it out. I don't have to put solvent on it and stuff like that. So um, in any event, um, you know, but for me, it's all about felt recoil uh, and, of course, accuracy. Like, you know, the first thing I do when I'm testing a load is I make sure everything is, you know, hitting in the same hole. Um, but uh, after that, it's all about feel and, you know, and how dirty is it. And uh, the fast burning stuff, you know, gives me a nice feel, nice return. I, I just love it. How are you testing your accuracy? Um, typically standing. Uh, I do. Um, I'll set up 5, 7, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, and 50. And I will shoot offhand groups. Um, and, you know, just I know if I, you know, accidentally yank a shot or whatever, um, you know, and I know when they're good. And so uh, when I get a really good group, you know, I'll go down and look at the results and just make sure it's, you know, tracking with um, – you know, what I think I am capable of and certainly, you know, what the gun is capable of. Um, you know, no time limit groups is a, is a, at different distances is a great exercise for any practice, uh, practice session. So, uh, in fact, every time I go out and practice, the first thing I do is shoot a group at 15 yards. You know, I don't Did need to warm up. Yeah, I don't need to zero my gun or anything, but, you know, what it does is it, you know, sort of reminds me, reinforces the shooting fundamentals. Um, you know, I'll do um, everything from, you know, my feet all the way up through my shoulders, neck, everything. You know, I just kind of go through the process. How is my stance? You know, my knees slightly bent. You know, I've got a slight lean forward at the waist and... You know, there's no tension in my shoulders and, you know, I've got a good support grip and um, uh, I'll run through um, uh, Todd Jarrett's uh, nat uh, natural point of aim where you close your eyes mm -hmm. and just point, you know, at the target and then open your eyes and see, you know, where are your sights, you know, um, compared to where you're trying to hit. And then you make body adjustments you know, to set yourself up for, you know, natural point of aim. Right. I really enjoy that video that he put out, you know, millions of years ago. And I still, you know, do it every time I go to the range. Well, that's even, it's even more key in rifle shooting. Yeah. Because when you're talking long range and you're trying to muscle the gun over, because you're not, 
lined up naturally that causes inaccuracy. So sure, sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so obviously on your single stack, on your 45, you have adjustable rear sights. At what range do you zero your gun for competition? 15, 15 yards. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the, the happy place for me. Um, you know, I know inside of, you know, close distances, like, you know, five, three, you know, muzzle blast distance. Um, you know, I got nothing to worry about. <laughs> um, as I, you know, start getting back, you know, the uh, impacts will uh, shift a little bit. Um, so 15 has been the, the real happy medium for me. So when you shoot at 50 yards, where are you expecting your rounds to hit? Uh, a little bit lower. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and real up close, uh, I expect them to be just a little higher. You know, the 45 trajectory is kind of a, uh, an arc, right? It's um, not really as straight as like, say my nine shoot or, or whatever. Right. No, you're right there. And what I, what I did find when I did um, a bunch of numbers was that the closer your sights are to the, the center of bore, then the closer people should, what I found is about 10 yards is good for irons. 15 is good for optics. I carry optics. And then if you're shooting open or PCC, it's somewhere between 20 and 25, depending on your actual sight height. Right. That doesn't mean I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying you're doing anything wrong. That, that's why I asked. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I, I think this is personal for everybody, right? Um, yep, absolutely. And that's completely cool. Um, but uh, in general, um, I think 15 yards is kind of the average distance for targets in our game. Um, although lately, you know, we're seeing a, a lot better, <laughs> quite a bit closer than that, or, you know, or, or much farther and, and much, partials. Yeah. Local <laughs> matches. It's all really in your face. You go to the majors and suddenly, wow, that's a 35 yard mini popper. <laughs> right. <laughs> on the draw. Holy cow. Yes. On a hard lean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One handed in yeah. the snow. <laughs> That's right. Uphill both I, I, ways. Now I would, do you know who Brian Zins is? Uh, I'm familiar with the name, but I, I don't know who that is. Uh, Gunny Zins. He was on top shot. He, um, it's 12 time NRA bullseye national champion. Okay. So he does everything at 50 yards, one handed, and he holds four inch groups at, 50 yards. Awesome. I would have liked to have seen him at handgun nationals. He actually might've been able to place in the yes. top 20 yes. with one hand. Uh, that was definitely just, be just because of the distance. He shoots 45s. There's nobody better. Yeah. That, that guy might've been able to do it. Yep. Totally. Yep. That was a accuracy match uh, for sure. Yeah. Everything I'm hearing, that's exactly what it was, which, Okay. You know, what, what surprised me about that one, I, I came away from that match with, uh, I think, eight penalties, um, which, you know, it, it kills me to say that. Um, but I still, you know, shot something like 92% of points or something like that. I mean, I was still, you know, uh, well above 90, uh, which, you know, surprised me. <laughs> the last question I have for you is, personalized and this this might be the first time it's self-serving 
Oh, so th this one's going to benefit me <laughs> and no. anybody who goes to the Carolina Classic next year. Okay. So knowing that Sir Walter is your home gun club and you're in the Creedmoor area, for people coming to the match who are staying overnight, what restaurant do you recommend? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> There's one out of left field. Well, so there's not a whole lot, you know, immediately surrounding the range. Um, so I think, uh, you know, probably a, a lot of folks are going to go to uh, the North Raleigh area. Um, if you are a, a pizza fan in North Raleigh is um, two places. One is Milton's and the other is Nancy's. Uh, and both of them are lit. Um, so a male and a female. Yeah. Milton's is where you go if you like, you know, just a traditional pan pizza. Uh, Nancy's is where you go if you like Chicago deep dish pizza, like real traditional oh. Chicago deep dish pizza. Um, okay. I, uh, I actually lived in Chicago for a, a few years in my 20s. And, um, you know, so that place kind of holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I, you know, I've been, I've been in that area a lot. I don't think I've ever been to either one of those. Cause I used to shoot a bunch of NRA high power matches there at Butner. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then yeah. Then you're familiar. So yeah, I would say the same thing with Butner. You know um, the reality is you're probably going to want to go to North Raleigh, you know, to, to get the best stuff. Right. Um, I, that's like, uh, you know, probably 35, 40 minutes tops from the range. Um, something like that. Okay. Good question, though. Took me by surprise. Yeah, yeah. You weren't expecting that one. Yeah. Now I have something to look forward to next year. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm I'm going to come down even if I don't shoot it. Because uh, I'll be getting a total knee replacement here at some point. Um, wow. I don't know that I'll be shooting it, but I'll at least come down and check things out and do a few things. Well, we can work out. We can work out a wheelchair division or something. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't fall under super senior, but it's got to fall under something. <laughs> yeah. Dis disabled somewhere. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. So now, have you always lived in North Carolina? Uh, no, no. I grew up in Maryland. Um, my father was a uh, Montgomery County police officer for, you know, over 30 years. And um, I went to uh, school in Baltimore. I went to Towson University. Um, when I graduated from, uh, Towson, uh, I went to Chicago and spent, uh, uh, five years out there and, um, figured out that I really didn't like the cold climate there. Um, and, uh, I didn't want to really, I didn't want to come back to Maryland. Um, so I, uh, convinced, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. So I convinced my wife, um, that um, North Carolina was the place to be. My my brother, uh, my older brother, uh, moved down here uh, after uh, attending uh, NC State for his graduate degree and never left. Um, he was a paramedic in uh, Cary, North Carolina, for Ooh. 25 or so years um, uh, until, um, unfortunately, the county um, absorbed, you know, Cary EMS and. Um, he moved on from there. But in any event, um, my brother came down when we would visit. I just loved the place. You know, again, I didn't want to be in Maryland. 
was too cold to stay in Chicago. So North Carolina was where it was at. And um, uh, it wasn't until after I got here that I discovered guns. <laughs> so even growing up, because you and I talk, so I know we're in Maryland, you in a, the general area where you grew sure. up. It's pretty rural out there, especially 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yes. Um, so you didn't you didn't hunt or, or shoot guns back then? No, no we, we sure didn't. Okay. Um, you know, my, uh, my dad had guns in the house, obviously. Um, but it was sort of understood, like, these are dad's tools for work. You don't, you don't play with you don't these. Touch. You don't touch these. Um, right. And every now and again, you know, he would bring them out. Um, and in an effort to satisfy the curiosity, you know, he would make sure they were unloaded and, you know, let us handle them. And, um, he had, um, a couple of Ruger security six, um, revolvers. He had, uh, at one point in his career, a Beretta 92. Um, and then, um, at the latter, uh, part of his career, he, uh, had the gen two Glock 17. Um, and so I was intimately familiar with those. I mean, I was into it because I, I watched all kinds of, you know, action adventure movies. Um, but we never actually got out to shoot. Um, uh, my mom wasn't real big on it. Um, and let's face it, Maryland in general is not really a firearm friendly place. Not at all. Um, but, uh, believe it or not, my, the first pistol I ever shot was in Maryland. Um, we went back to Maryland for Thanksgiving in 2011. And it was my father-in-law, uh, who, you know, it was like, you know, Hey, we're just sitting around. It's a beautiful day. Let's go out and shoot. You know? And I'm like, Oh, I've always wanted to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know, you know, what he was doing. Um, he started something. Yeah. Uh, we went out, I fired, um, uh, he had a Taurus PT 92, uh, which is the Beretta clone or whatever. Um, and then they had a Springfield loaded 45 in stainless. Uh, I shot the nine millimeter first and I was like, Oh, uh, that's neat. You know? And then I shot the 45 and suddenly, you know, the, the skies parted, you know, and <laughs> the national <laughs> anthem started playing. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, the angels were singing, you know, uh, right. all of that stuff was happening. I mean, I just, I mean, I fired one round out of that 45 and I was like, Oh, I must do this. This uh, is it. Yeah. This is so, my calling. So I spent, you know, the next two years, um, you know, going to bowling alley ranges and just learning how to drill the same hole, you know, at um, every distance I could, I could manage, you know, I became uh, really proficient at fundamentals um, and uh, was extremely accurate, but um, also got really bored. <laughs> so yeah. I went looking for something else. Uh, and another funny story, um, you know, I, um, was already living in this house and i had no idea uh that sir walter gun club existed within you know 15 20 minutes of of my house um it was my wife who was invited to a women on target program oh, okay uh, she and some of our neighbors went to sir walter and um 
you know, got to shoot all their stuff. And she came running home and was like, you are not going to believe this range that is right up the street. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, I know where all the public ranges are. You know, well, this isn't a public range. This is a private range. And you need to go check this out. <laughs> so sure enough, I did. And uh, boom, USPSA. <laughs> now, what year was that? Uh, again, 2013, September. 2013, okay. So um, I show up, you know, I've got my, uh, at the time I had a Kimber 1911 and uh, Uncle Mike's holster and, you know, a couple of, you know, crap mag pouches or whatever. Um, I had no idea what was going on. And um, like I said, I, I DQ'd uh, on my second stage, yeah. uh, which is the Sir Walter Field course um, for a 180 violation. And uh, I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I'm at a port wall and the gun goes to slide lock. And, you know, to reload, I pulled the gun out of the port like this, not mm. knowing that the wall was also, you know, diagonal in the bay, which means when I brought the gun back like oh. So dude, you know, yell stop. And I, I, I turned back to him and I was like, but, but I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> he says, yeah, you are. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry you are. Um, and he uh, explained it to me. He was totally cool. And um, it, I mean, it didn't phase me one bit. I was just super excited to have, you know, had the opportunity to try it and I couldn't wait to come back next time. Um, and you know, to make a long story even longer, the very next month I came back, um, thinking that it was going to be a monthly match. Uh, but no, it was October, 2013. That was the Carolina classic, <laughs> oh, uh, wow. the, you know, state championship match at that time. So I go to registration and I'm like, I'm like, this seems like, you know, way fancier than usual. And there's a lot of people here. This is awesome. Uh, and they're like, you know, did you register? And I'm like, well, no, I'm here to do that now. Uh, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. You would have had to have registered, you know, months ago in order to shoot this one. Uh, sorry, kid. We'll see you next month. <laughs> oh. But I stayed and I watched. And um, I mean, that just furthered my my hunger to be, you know, in all of this. So anyway, yeah, it was. So, a so you started in single stack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, again, when I shot 1911, you know, the stars aligned, the angels. Right. Saw, that, that was all I wanted to do. So, um, you know, uh, I ultimately got uh, a 45 and that's what I shot with for a long time. I've dabbled with some other stuff, you know, here and there, but I always come back to the 1911. So. I like it. Too bad I can't see the front sight and the rear sight and the target together. <laughs> that is uh, that is a factor for me. Things are starting to uh, you know to go downhill a little bit. Um, fortunately, I'm nearsighted, um, so I can still see sights okay. But what I can't see are targets. Um, uh, so in the not too distant future, you know, I'll probably be you know forced to go the you know the dot direction <laughs> well, well these are reading glasses if it's inside of arm's distance I, i've got to wear the the reading glasses to make sure everything's nice and crystal clear but yeah i hear you yeah uh i'm so the opposite me, 
uh, I had to get prescription to see the targets. Uh, but uh, I, I still, right now, I'm not shooting uh, irons with any prescription. Um, okay. Uh, but when I shoot uh, carry optics, I wear prescription lenses so I can shoot target focus. Um, wow. Okay. But uh, but I hear you, man. Uh, you know, uh, prescriptions for eyesight is real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, well, then like handgun nationals then when you have far targets like that and you're shooting iron sights and you have partials so you know you've got to be accurate is it harder for you to does it take you longer to i don't want to say align your sights but i mean how uh, much longer or how much more difficult is it for you uh, i i i don't think it's that difficult uh i'm not i don't really feel like i'm at a disadvantage um okay you know Generally, when I'm, you know, entering a position, you know, gun is, you know, coming up generally in the position of, you know, target. Uh, I am looking first for the target. You know, I, I try as much as possible to pick a spot on the target, but I can't really see, you know, what I see is uh, the outline, you know, of the cardboard. I don't see perfs, um, but I've been doing this long enough that, you know, when I look at the uh outline of the target like i generally know where the ac yeah. line is and you know that kind of thing right um so you know as i'm coming in you know i find generally the you know the center of brown that i want to shoot at um and uh i can see the the iron sights fine um so you could almost say that uh, where my eyes are right now is actually a kind of ideal. You know, the, the sights are just a little blurry. They're not super crisp, just a little, little blurry. And the target, you know, is blurry, but, you know, I can make out the outline fine. So it's sort of like almost like a intermediate um, focus. You know, I'm not target focused, but I'm not super sight focused either. I'm kind of somewhere right in the middle. Okay. Uh, and uh, for me, it works out great. Um, I uh, I did try target focus shooting with irons uh, for a while, and I did try my um, prescription glasses uh, so that I could, you know, like make out the alphabet A on the target and try to aim at that. And um, uh, that didn't come very natural for me. I spent a little time on it, and um, in the end, I said, you know, this this isn't you know better for me. Um, and maybe if I spent more time on it, I would have had an aha moment and, you know, something would have clicked, but, uh, it didn't happen inside of about six months of me, you know, really working on it. And uh, I just said, you know what, uh, you know, yes, I agree. Target focus is, is, you know, probably the, the fastest way, but, you know, for me, it's not the best way. So, um, uh, and, and I yeah. would say six months is a fair Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, me too. Me too. Uh, generally when I'm trying something, um, the window is three to six months, you know, well, for me, it's usually 10 minutes. And I'm like, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd hope you, you know, it went a little bit more than that. I mean, you'd be surprised what you can learn. Um, but right. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Hard to get distracted uh, by the, you know, the next thing. Right. Right. It's uh, like, ah, you get impatient. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, sometimes you do have to be, you've got to be able to do that now. So if 2013 was your first match, mm -hmm. 
uh, and you got hooked. Like it seems like everybody I talk to on this podcast, everybody's had the same affliction. Mm, yes. you, know, you go to a match one time That's and all right of a sudden you, you catch the virus. Yeah. You're afflicted. <laughs> um, <laughs> at what point did you decide, okay, I, I'm going to take this to the next step and I'm going to start not just helping maybe set up before a match, but I actually want to get involved and start match directing and all of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, so I shot at Sir Walter, uh, you know, from 2013 through 2015 before I pledged to be a member there. Um, and that whole time I was just trying to figure out the game of USPSA. Right. Um, but when I ultimately joined the club, uh, you know, part of joining the club is you have to serve on a committee for the first three years of your membership. And naturally I was like, well, I want to, you know, work on the USPSA committee. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I met, uh, my best friends there, uh, and, you know, all we, all we want to do is shoot and we want to make stages and, you know, put on a good show. And, um, you know, they sort of cultivated that in me. I already had, um, you know, kind of a volunteer personality to begin with, but, they brought me in and kind of showed me how it all works. And it was like, well, I'm going to try designing some stages. I'm going to try building some walls and Hey, I got a really great idea for a prop. Let's try it. You know? Um, and, uh, you know, the crew there overall led by Robert Walker and, uh, Chris DeBruin, uh, you know, I mean, they were just like, yeah, let's try that. Let's do it. You know, it was very positive the whole way. Um, and somewhere in there, um, I think when I got out of B class, uh, I took an RO course uh, specifically because I wanted to uh, work at the um, the sectional match. Um, but also uh, I had this idea that, you know, if I really learn the rules inside and out, you know, it'll make me uh, a better competitor. Uh, you know, and I'll be able to game the rules a little bit. Like I see some of these other guys, you know, that, you know, know all these little subtle details and they, you know, try some stuff. Um, which then ultimately led me to, uh, you know, a CRO course. And at the time, um, the CRO course, uh, that I took, uh, it was led by George Jones, who I think is, you know, one of the gold standard guys for, uh, for CRO. Uh, it focused a lot more on stage design um, and, um, you know, running a quality stage and what makes a quality stage and how do you keep it running through the course of a major match and so on. Uh, and so every time I would be exposed to one of these things, you know, committee, RO course, CRO course, you know, um, uh, a group build you know, whatever, it just, uh, it kept growing and kept growing. And it was like, man, the more that I learn about every facet of this, uh, the better I get as a shooter, as a whole. Um, and I, you know, uh, not to get too far off topic, but you know, it, it was also important for me to learn how to, um, you know, do basic smithing on my guns. Um, I needed to learn everything about reloading, you know, I needed to learn, um, you know, uh, 
everything about my equipment. I needed to learn movement. I needed to learn, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff to learn in this game and every bit of it um, just builds you up into, um, you know, this complete package. And uh, for me, I would say one of the most influential um, things for me has been really been getting into stage design. Uh, if you understand what makes a good stage uh, and understand conceptually, you know, how you can build things to test certain skills, um, then when you go to matches, you understand everything on the ground, uh, you know, just a little better. Um, so, yeah, I hope that answered the question. Uh, I know that was kind of all over the place, but, um, uh, you know, the, the reality is I kind of fell into a lot of this. You know, like I said, I mean, it was fate that Sir Walter, you know, was only up the road. Um, you know, it was fate that, uh, you know, joining the club meant being involved, you know, in the committees, you know, it. And again, you know, my involvement has now progressed. Now I'm on the board of directors there, which is crazy. I never would have thought that was going to happen. <laughs> um, Things happen for a reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, now I feel like um, I can be a voice, you know, for the USPSA contingent of our club. Um, you know, because, of course, Sir Walter, you know, has all of the typical gun club stuff. Uh trap, skeet, long range rifle, small board, bullseye. Uh, now we're even, you know, bringing archery on board. There's a lot of different disciplines. Um, and so now I can, you know, contribute at the board level. So, but yeah, uh, I would say to all of our listeners, um, get involved in some fashion. Uh, don't just shoot and scoot. Um, you know, if you show up early to help build or stay a little late to help break down, um, you, you know, you start to pick up some stuff. You know, there's a lot of uh, inside scoop, you know, uh, that you get from uh, participating further. So, so I, I want to delve a little bit deeper into um, you feel stage design is one of those critical skills. I'm not aware of the USPSA offering a stage design class. You are correct. I'm not aware of one either. <laughs> so is, is that something you would advocate for? Uh, sure. Um, you know, uh, again, like I said, my understanding, and I could be wrong about this, uh, but my understanding was that uh, once upon a time, the CRO course did have a greater focus on stage design elements. Um, but fast forward to now, um, the the talk that I have heard lately is people coming out of the CRO course, uh, you know, felt that it was not really about stage design, but rather um, match management, major match management. Um, you know, like if you are running a stage at a major match, how do you keep uh, shooters turning, you know, how do you maintain your steel, okay. you know, that kind of thing. Um, so the impression that I got was, you know, in the past, there was more focus on design elements and that, uh, now that is no longer there. Uh, again, I could be wrong about that, but that's, you know, my understanding. 
Um, so I would like to see it, you know, turn backwards a little bit more uh, where we talk about uh, the first four chapters of the, you know, uh, of the rule book uh, in, in great detail, right? You know, understanding, you know, knowing, you know, chapters one through four, like, you know, it's the Bible <laughs> and knowing, okay. what, knowing what you can do inside of those rule sets. Um, but uh, the reality is um, most of my learning came from copying uh, other designers concepts um, and or trying stuff out. Uh, I mean, the first year or two of me designing stages, like I put out some really terrible stages. It was it was bad. <laughs> and I, I, I think um, now, but qualify what you mean by bad. Well, I mean, it would be like uh, run over here, come to a hard stop and shoot, you know, eight rounds kind of kind of stuff. Um, you know, there wasn't really any thought of um, what a quality shooting challenge was. Right. Okay. Um, it was more of, you know, how can I take this space, you know, and throw a bunch of targets in and then, you know, make people run places. I mean, it was, it was, very, <laughs> it was very rudimentary. Um, okay. And I just, it, it, you know, explored lots of stuff. I got a lot of great feedback from uh, Robert Walker and Ben Berry. Um, you know, I've, collaborated with, you know, different people around the section for years. And um, uh, I also, uh, whenever I see matchbooks pop up online, I steal them. You know, I've got a, a little cloud repository of, you know, uh, that's just full of PDF matchbooks so that I can look at stages. Um, and, um, you know, I definitely encourage people to, um, you know, to try it. Uh, and know that every, every, not everything you put out there is going to be worthwhile. There's going to be some, you know, real suck stages. And honestly, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to occasionally have a, you know, sucky stage, uh, now, um, you know, sometimes what you draw and what ends up on the ground, you know, are, are, are not the same. <laughs> um, well, I guess what I'm getting at too, is like, um, uh, how am I going to verbalize all of this? It's running through my head while you're talking. But I, I could see a, uh, I, there's a couple of things. That's, I don't even know where to start. One, I'll say that I think if there is a formalized stage design class and ROs and CROs or just CROs, range masters, whatever, uh, are part of this, mm -hmm. then even if you get, let's say you get for like the Carolina classic, you guys are different. So I'm going to use that anyway, but let's say you guys, meaning the ROs and stuff showed up, let's say staff day is Friday. So you showed up on Thursday and you're looking over the stage you're going to be running. Mm -hmm. Then you could, from a stage designer class standpoint, as well as a ROCRO, then, you know, you would be like, oh, if we made a couple of changes here and there, then you could go to the match director and say, hey, these aren't done yet. Is there any way we could do this and that? I don't, I just see a lot of benefit. I don't know if I'm verbalizing it well, but I see benefit there. And like you said, I think the other option, though, too, is we had part of this conversation on Wednesday is maybe it would help standardize the software that's being used 
So when you look at like the repository we talked about mm -hmm. on the USPSA website, there would be more of a standardized layout where people could use it and modify it easier as well. That's an interesting thought. Um, you know, I'm still using SketchUp, uh, which uh, is not really a thing anymore. Like, I, I think I'm using a 2017 version of that software. Um, and I, um, the name is escaping me uh, right now. Oh, Practicism, I think, is, is uh, what the newer tool is. Um, I mean, there's a couple of different tools available out there. And I, I see drawings that come in, you know, as SketchUp drawings. I see practicism drawings. I see uh, doodles on paper. You know, of course, we have the little 3D um, stage design kits now. Um, right. And uh, I've even seen some that, you know, look like they're done in like something like Microsoft Visio, um, uh, you know, or PowerPoint excuse me, PowerPoint, something like that. Um, so uh, getting the design to com uh, community to kind of commit to uh, using one application would would be an interesting thought. Um, I don't know that it's entirely necessary. Um, I mean, it is a tool uh, to produce your ideas. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how critical that really is. Now, I think the, the, the bigger issue is, you know, how do I conceptualize what a good stage is versus a bad stage, you know, and make you understand it, right? Um, the reality is a lot of that comes with experience and time and testing, right? Um, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, that I do uh, conceptually in, in my stage process, you know, that um, I just, I figured out, you know, you know no one taught me specifically. Uh, I do have some rules of thumb, I guess, um, or more like guidelines. Like I, I don't really, um, you know, stay hard and fast to some things. But, um, you know, for example, um, you know, a general rule of thumb for me is more rounds does not equal more fun. I agree. You know, and yes. I just... Uh, you know, probably lit up the internet by saying that. Um, <laughs> and just adding more partials doesn't make it a better stage either. For sure. You know, part, in fact, there was a Facebook uh, uh, post just recently uh, that I think Tim Heron started that was specifically about that. You know, what is mm -hmm. your philosophy uh, for putting in um, uh, no shoots and hardcover or something like that? Um, they should be, you know, done purposefully. Right. Like you don't just randomly sprinkle stuff in, you know, another thing that's really uh, irritating me lately is stacked targets. Um, in general, my feeling is stacking targets on a single target stand is is just poor design. Uh, with one caveat, though, uh, I think there's a time and a place for that. And that's where you are space constraint, like, say, an indoor match where you only have uh, the single berm, you know, and everything else is concrete walls or whatever. Um, I mean, I think there's a time and a place for that. Uh, but I am seeing stacked targets everywhere. Um, in fact, at Handgun Nationals, there was a stage that was all stacked targets. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, talking with Leif, you know, about this as we were looking at the stage. And it was like, you know, stage would have been so much cooler if they 
split those targets and moved one over here, put one over there, put one back there. Like, you know, there was plenty of room and plenty of opportunity to, you know, make something more interesting there. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's running rampant. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think, you know, people who are uh, just starting uh, either in shooting, you know, or they're just starting in stage design, you know, they kind of go through some phases. Uh, you know, and the first phase uh, usually is 32 round field courses. <laughs> uh, it, it took me, you know, a year or so of, of just barfing stuff on paper before I really got into, okay, I want to create a, um, a risky entry option here. Or uh, I want to separate shooters uh, by placing this one element in here that the top guys are potentially going to move on and everybody else is going to post up, you know. Um, That's a good design. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that. And, and I say that too, Jarrett, because I and I said this to somebody. Oh, um, another guy who's coming up soon. I said that. You know, like if I go to nationals, I don't expect to be able to run the stage as fast as or as well as the guys on the super squad. Sure. The the stage should be designed for them, but it, it should be one of those where, you know, I may have to slow down uh, to 90% and they're only slowing down 50%. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, so I think I would clarify... I don't want to say that I'm designing stages for any one group of shooters, right? Like, no, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying that. Like, I, I don't want to design for the super squad level guy or, or, uh, you know, design for a particular division. That's another one, you know, uh, yep. Right. You know, get right. ready for that segue. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we just blew up the internet again. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the reality is, uh, a good quality shooting challenge um, that is well thought out is going to be good for all shooters, all divisions, all yeah. levels. Um, and that is really the goal, right? Um, you know, we want to create challenges that everybody can do, um, but some people can just do better, right? Exactly. That's my point. But I can uh, still shoot on the move, but those people, as you get better and better, they'll be able to move faster and faster, but it still gives everybody that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep. You know, and uh, a lot of people talk about options. We want options. And I don't know if everybody knows exactly what they're asking. You know, um, I think the most common thing that I get is uh, when I ask them, what do you mean by options? Uh, I think that they're uh, the most common answer is targets available from more than one location. Um, or, you know, uh, I want to, you know, be able to come up with a plan where I can go right or left, you know, and either one of those is, you know, a viable option. And that's great. Those are things. Um, I am all for uh, making some targets available from more than one location. Uh, absolutely. I love that. Um, that definitely uh, uh, is a tool in my box to separate divisions with uh, round capacity uh, limits, for example. 
singles tag. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm also more interested in the micro decisions. Like uh, when I enter in this position, am I going to shoot the um, seven yard partial with the no shoot, you know, with only, um, you know, this much of the A zone available? Or am I going to come in deep and hit the open target and save that no shoot partial for later? Or, um, or you know, uh, am I going to hard post up here or am I going to roll through? Am I going to um, shoot my way in or shoot my way out? Um, you know, uh, there's so many possibilities. Um, I like to vary uh, target difficulty um, within the stage but also uh, as much as possible within the array, if I can as well. Um, and if I don't have the space, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll um, uh, position them at different heights um, so that the transition is not linear, right? Um, or maybe, um, uh, you know, recently we were uh, allowed to use half size or what, uh, what are they, mini, mini targets or whatever. Um, we had some uh, stands made specifically, you know, to um, uh, bring the sticks closer together so that we could use some mini targets here and there. I don't use those often, um, but uh, Robert uses those quite a bit. And that um, uh, has really helped, you know, uh, to create some interesting arrays uh, inside of space limited bays. Um, and if you're shooting the Carolina Classic next year, that's a hint, hint. Well, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. There, there's some there's some logistics though with mini targets. Um, they get shot up real quick, so they have to be replaced. Um, you know, uh, like when we run our local match, um, they usually get replaced at least you know once uh, during the match. Um, but there's not a lot of stapling service on uh, on them either, uh, and sticks get shot up pretty good. So. Uh, from a logistics standpoint, I, I don't generally recommend using that in a major, but uh, in, in our local matches, they, they work great. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, our goal for the classic will be, uh, you know, one to, you know, pick what we think are quality shooting challenges. Um, but two, you know, one of the things that uh, we want to make sure we do is we represent the greater section. Uh, you mentioned this, I think, on some of your other uh, podcasts. You know, one of the things that makes our match unique is uh, that we are getting designs from people from all over the section. Um, and I love that uh, because uh, everybody who designs tends to have a style. Uh, and I don't want the match to be all one style. Like, um, you know, if the entire match was designed by me, uh, I mean, it would still be a sweet match, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it would be, you know, I mean, by the end of it, I think everybody would be like, yeah, they all, you know, kind of, you know, seemed similar. Um, uh, and I, I think that's a thing. And I, I think the reason why Sir Walter uh, is so successful is because for our uh, level one matches, um, we got, you know, three great different designers. Um, you know, I'm typically contributing two or three stages uh, each month. Robert does two or three. Ben Barry's doing two or three. And the three of us um, have very different stage design philosophies. 
um, and you put that together and you get, um, you know, a much more interesting um, show. So until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.